First Kings 17 verse 1 to 9 and then First Kings 18 verse 1. First Kings 17 verse 1 to 9 and Elijah the Tishbite who was of the inhabitants of Gilead said unto Ahab as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand there shall not be dew nor rain these years but according to my word and the word of the Lord came unto him saying get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself underline that phrase hide thyself by the brook chariot that is before Jordan and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravings to feed thee there so he went and did according to the word of the Lord for he went and dwelt by the brook chariot that is before Jordan and the ravings brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening and he drank of the brook and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land and the word of the Lord came unto him saying arise get thee to Zarephath which belongeth to Zidon and dwell there behold I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee by the grace of God for a few minutes I'll be sharing a message tonight under the title it's what you make of it it's or it is what you make of it it is what you make of it under the general title of principles of divine operation that we have been dealing with it is what you make of it shall we pray father we thank you for your word there is nothing your word can be compared to except to you because the word of god says in Psalm 138 verse 2 you have highly exalted your word above your name and we are told in your word that in the beginning was the word the word was with you and the word was you and so we count it the privilege and the honor to approach your word tonight to hear from you doctrine, correction, reproof, and instruction in righteousness. That we as your servants at various stages of ministry will be thoroughly furnished and equipped to be the best you have ordained us to be in everything you have called us to do. We yield ourselves into your hand asking that your word and your spirit will flow freely through us. And let it be that your heart desire for this night's service will be what will be achieved and attained. We glorify, magnify, and exalt you, Father. Thank you for your word. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's what you make of it. It's what you make of it. One thing in every minister's life no matter what level of ministry you are is that 
there is something that you operate by. In other words, there is something like a plan. There is something like a program. There is something like a design that determines everything you do. There is something you operate by. This ministry operates by something. Whatever ministry you see around operates by something. In other words, there is a design, there is a plan, there is a guiding principle behind the ministry's operation. There is something you operate by. That thing that every ministry operates by is called the pattern of that ministry. It is called the pattern of that ministry. If you see a ministry establishing churches, there is a pattern behind that operation. If you see a ministry that is into doing crusades, there is something behind that operation you see. And that thing is called the pattern of that ministry. If you see a person like me traveling from one nation to another nation, at great physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual costs, there is something behind it. That thing is called the pattern of that ministry. The word pattern means model or plan that is used in making things. Most of the time what we are familiar with are the things that are made. But there is a model or plan that is used in making it. The word pattern can be defined as a design. It can be defined as a guide. And whether you know it or not, whether you have come to realize it or not, and whether you accept it or not, there is a pattern behind every ministry. Every ministry has got a pattern. It is that pattern that determines how that ministry operates. It is that pattern that guides how that ministry operates or how that minister operates. If you see a minister who always wants to go to a particular, a particular kind of churches to preach, there is a pattern, there is something behind it. And it is that thing that determines why it operates like that. Today I want to share with you that pattern that ministries operate by and that you as a minister operate by have sources. They have, we have sources of pattern. Pattern are from at least five or six sources. There are five or six sources from where the guiding design that controlled the oppression of a minister or a ministry comes from. There are at least five sources of patterns that ministries operate by. There are at least five sources of such patterns. And I will share them with you one after the other and I will explain them. Remember, I'm speaking tonight on still principles. I'm still speaking on principles of divine operation. But tonight, with special emphasis on it's what you make of it. So there are patterns. There are certain things behind that determine why some ministers operate the way they operate. Or why some ministers operate the way they operate. We call those things patterns. And those patterns 
are from at least five to six sources. And by the time I begin to tell you, you will understand where your own pattern is coming from. Or you will also see the need to change. Because by the time you discover that the source of your pattern is from a source that is not correct. It's from a source that is not the kind of source that it's supposed to be from. Then you are likely to amend it. You know the psalmist said in Psalm 119 verse 58. He says, I have been treated for your favor with the whole of my heart. Then in verse 59 he said, I thought on my ways. And I turned my feet to your testimonies. He was entreating for God's favor with the whole of his heart. But he was not seeing results. And so in verse 59, he adjusted. He said, I thought on my ways and I turned my feet to your testimonies. There are people who are entreating God's favor in ministry for so many things. But when you do not see results, the next thing for you to do is what verse 59 tells you to do. Think on your ways and turn your feet. Which means... You need a little adjustment before your results can change. You need a little realignment. You need a little correction before your results can change. If you are seeking God for something and that thing does not come to pass, it is not God who needs to change because God does not change. It is you who needs to change. When you wait on God for something that ought to be, something that you need to get, and you don't get, there is no reason for you to get angry because there are some people when they wait on God for something in ministry that they need to get, and they, they know the Bible says they can get it, they desire to get it, they know it's obtainable, and they make the effort, they pray, they see God's face to get it, and it does not come to pass. You see them get angry with everybody. You see them get frustrated. You see them become dejected. When actually what they need to do is just to change. When you expect something from God and it does not come to you the way the Bible says you should come, it is not God who is going to change. And your circumstance may not change until you yourself undergo a change. So it is you who makes a change before you can begin to see changes in your situation or circumstance. So there are patterns that ministers and ministries operate and they are from five sources. The first source of, part of, uh, of the part of patterns that some ministries operate from, how we call it, it is from the world. The first source of pattern are that is from the world. Some ministries operate by patterns that are derived from the world. What do you mean, Brother George? What these people do, what these ministers and ministries do, is that they look to the world for a pattern which they follow. They know in the world that certain organizations are run very effectively. They know in the world that certain principles are working in companies, in banks, in financial institutions. And so what they do is that they take these management principles and use those principles to run everything they do. They use it as the guiding principle, the management principles. You now see that they use those management principles to propel the church, to propel their ministry, to propel their outreaches. For them, the pattern which is affecting the operation is a principle that is taken from the corporate world. It is a principle that they are using in the world which is effective. Whether you know it or not, organizations are in the world that are succeeding. Many banks in Nigeria are effectively run. Many companies are effectively run. Many multinationals are effectively run. 
companies like Microsoft, Netscape, all these companies are effectively run. Now, as a minister, if you are not careful, because I know this happens in many ministries, they now take the very same principles that these organizations in the world use, and they use it to run the church. So the church or ministry runs like another corporate organization. But the difference is that such principles from the world cannot produce life. The church can be well run, but the life of God will not be there. There is no way you can produce heavenly tangibility by worldly methods. In other words, the principles that are used in running organizations in the world are now used to run ministries. Now, that is the first source of patterns. When you take something from the world, I mean, successful business practices of this world, which are not sanctified by God, are now copied because they are successful and they are used in the church. I know, for example, ministries where ushers are paid, counselors are paid, people who work in security department, they are paid for working in such places. Now, that is a principle that is taken from the world. But it is an effective principle. Because when the counselor is laboring and the usher is laboring and the <laughs> everybody is laboring, they are laboring with an understanding that something will be given to them. Now there are such ministries and there are such organizations. They do not run on voluntary services. In other words, you don't join a department like you join, say in Reverend Chapel, and serve like you are serving God without having to be paid. We call it voluntary service. But in some of these organizations, some of these ministries I'm talking about, they run exactly like corporate companies. In fact, I know some ministries that run like military institutions. People are given lance corporal, corporal, sergeant, captain, lieutenant. <laughs> These are members of the ministry. And um, you see, so you can see that the the, 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 the pattern by which they operate is taken from the wall and they employ such methods and they use such in their operation and that is what directs them that is what guides them that is the design that propels them forward so that is the first source of patterns that ministries operate by patterns that come or are used in the world now being copied by the church and implemented as if to say they are from God's word. The second source of patterns that ministries use and ministers use is that some ministers and ministry get their pattern from the religious traditions of the past. In other words, what determines what they are doing today was what they did yesterday. They get their pattern, as it were, from the religious traditions of the past. What they are doing today is what they have always done. What they are doing now is what they have always done. The source of their pattern today are the patterns of yesterday. Now let me say this to you. I respect and I appreciate the position of ancient landmarks. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 22, 28, he said, remove not the ancient landmark which the fathers have set. I respect the value of ancient landmarks. 
Proverbs 23.10 tells us we should not do away with the old landmarks. But I want us to know that it is not every principle by which we operate yesterday and got results that we can operate with today and get the same results. But that is what some ministers operate by. In other words, they operate today by the same principles they operate yesterday. So if they have always done crusade yesterday, they will always do crusade today and they will always do crusade forevermore. If they have always had prayer meeting in the night or in the morning yesterday, they are not dynamic. It is always, those, those, those ministries and ministers are rigid. As it was in the beginning, so is it now so forevermore. And that is not a good source either. Remember the first source, source from the world. They take what is being used in the world successfully and they try to implement it in the church. Not knowing that the church is a different kind of organization from the world system. The second source are those who use patterns that are derived from the religious methods of yesterday. Now let me say this to you. There are good traditions that we need to keep. But there are certain traditions in the light of new revelations that we always need to do away with. Isaiah 42 verse 9 says, Behold, the former things have come to pass. New things do I declare. Isaiah 43 verse 18. He says, Remember not the things of old, neither concern the things that are past. Behold, I do a new thing. But for some ministers and ministries, the pattern that govern the oppression are those that derive from past religious years. In other words, they have not been able to make transition to, to be relevant. And that is why some ministries become what we call orthodox. And if you are not careful in Pentecostal and charismatic circles, there are certain things we did yesterday that are no longer terrible today. I believe, for example, among other things, that the crusade methods of yesterday cannot succeed today with the same results. The crusade method of yesterday that was like a combined harvester and was getting many people saved and filled with the Holy Spirit may no longer operate today because things have changed. People have changed. Society have changed. And it is better for us to know that the fishes have become more intelligent and they can no longer be caught with the same methods with which they were caught yesterday. But you see, there are some ministers and ministries their pattern which govern the way they operate, they are from their religious past. And that is not good enough. There are traditions that are good. In fact, the Bible talks about some, some tradition. Let, let's, let's see this. Second, open to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 encourages us that there are one or two traditions that you and I can still operate by and they are still very, very effective and they can still produce results for us. In fact, Paul encouraged that but there are certain traditions that we need to do away with because they are no longer as effective as they used to be and we cannot expect them to produce the kind of results that they produced yesterday. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. I read from verse 15. And then we are going to read Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 6 as well. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 15. Listen to what Paul said. He said, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the tradition which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. So there are traditions to hold on to. But there are also traditions to discard. I remember when we were growing up as a church. One day, we finished the service and I just said, 
Let's stand up. And we stood up. And I said, God bless you. See you next week. Three people came to me and they were very worried. They said, no, the service is not over here. I said, why? They said, we did not say the grace. We didn't say the grace. Ah. He said, sir, don't do it. Don't do that again. Oh. Let us always say, share the grace before we leave. So I looked at them and I asked them, I said, where is it in the Bible that we must always share the grace? Where is it? You see, it's a tradition in a religious past. And we have operated by it. But we should not be bound to such traditions that are not actually commanded. If it is just something we develop out of a way of doing things, it's fine. But we should not no longer be slaves to the things that we ourselves set in place. Just like Sabbath in the days of Jesus Christ. Jesus had to tell them, the Sabbath was made for man and no man was made for the Sabbath. Man was made and then the Sabbath was made. And for you not to subject man in such a way that man cannot move any way. On the Sabbath, you can't wash, you can't cook, you can't do anything on the Sabbath. It's bad. So what I'm saying is that there are traditions we can hold by and pray by. But there are certain traditions you need to do about do without. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. I want us to look at verse 6. Paul was speaking again to the Thessalonian Christians. He said, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourself from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. So there are traditions that we have to keep hold on. But there are certain ones you have to discard. So not that. The principle by which some ministers and ministries operate are guided by what we call patterns. And those patterns are from certain sources. The first source from the wall. The second source from religious past. The third source of patterns is from what I call overseas. Overseas. There are certain things that we are doing today in the church world, in Nigeria, in Africa, that is from overseas. Because we watch a lot of television nowadays, and the whole world has become a global village, whereby when you put on your television, you see what has been done in Dallas, you see what has been done in Washington, you see what has been done in California. And many ministers and ministries today, because they see such things done in those places, import them and operate by them. They operate by them. We now see ministers in Nigeria who dress for services with full academic gown, like Roboshula dresses. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? We now see, now they are operating by that principle. They are operating by it, and the pattern is derived from overseas. It is just what is being done in another country. We need to recognize this fact that we are all in the world, but the, the gospel must be made culturally relative. We must make our ministry relative to the people God has sent us to. Paul said it among other things in 1 Corinthians. He said, to the weak, I became as the weak, that I may win the weak. To them who are without the law, I became as without the law, that I may win them who are without the law. He said, he tried as possible, he was made all things to all men, so that by all means he may win them. You cannot import a pattern from America and expect it in Nigeria to produce the same kind of result is produced in America. And that is the madness that I see in our churches today. Everybody wants to dress like a TDJ. 
Everybody wants to dance across the pulpit like a Benihim. Everybody wants to teach like a Kenneth Copeland. Now these are patterns that these sources are from overseas. They are not relevant to the kind of gospel that can convince our people. They can't change our people. They are bastardizing our people. They are turning us into coconut. Brown outside, white inside. And you and I are supposed to know that we should take the gospel to our own people in their own language. Let me say this to you. I travel many nations of the world and I've come to a conclusion that what sells in Nigeria does not sell in South Africa. It doesn't. It doesn't sell in South Africa. And what sells in South Africa will not sell in Nigeria. What sells in America may not necessarily sell or what sells in southern Nigeria may not necessarily sell in northern Nigeria. So, there are things that a minister or a ministry operate by. It is called patterns. And these patterns have sources. Source from the world, source from the past, and even source from overseas. Some people think until, until you, you, you hoop or you, you, know, you do some things in a particular way, you may not be able to make an effect. I want you to know that God will take your personality to influence and to impact the people he has sent you to. God has shaped us for the people he has sent us to. And so Paul said, I am made all things to all men, so that by all means I may win some. Which means you have to be made to something that the people understand before you can impart them. You cannot impart them by bringing the gospel in a language they do not understand. If you go to Ofa, for example, or Okuku, or Ilemana, and you are preaching the way in where Jones preaches. They will just be looking at you and be amazed. I just came back from South Africa in the month of September. And something puzzled me. When I got to South Africa and I was preaching, in some of these churches there were South Africans and they were Nigerians. And there were people from other parts of Africa. And I discovered that in the churches where the Nigerian is shouting and jumping as I'm preaching and he's screaming, the South African is just sitting there and looking. He doesn't, he just, what's wrong with them? Now, he is a Christian. He's not backsliding. He knows God. He loves the message. He's enjoying what is being said. But he does not have the exuberance of the Nigerian. And what is exciting to the Nigerian is not exciting to him. You need to understand that as a minister. If you are going to sing, sing to the people in the language that you understand. If they invite you, for example, to a teenager's program, and you are going there and you are singing a very slow, slow song. Oh, yeah. Looking at you like this. But when you get there and you rap, you slide, you jump, you turn, you now you are preaching the gospel to them in their language. So I hope you understand what I'm saying now. Now there is something that affects the way we operate. It's called patterns. And these patterns have sources. The first source, the world, the second source, tradition, the third source, others. I mean, the third source is from overseas. The fourth source of tradition, I mean, the fourth source of patterns is that our patterns may be sourced from other people. Other people. Our patterns may be sourced from other people. In other words, at times we look around us in our own environment and we see that somebody is on TV or somebody is doing something and is getting results from that. 
without being told by God, without any divine guidance or divine leading, we just source our pattern from that. And so we begin to do what they are doing because what they are doing is successful in their hands. But there is something we forget. That everyone is not made as a solution to the same problem. Every one of us is not a solution to the same problem. If somebody is using a particular pattern to operate and is making progress and is making impact by that, that is not the basis. It is not a good basis for me to now begin to use the same pattern because what he is a solution to is not what I'm a solution to. The people he sent to is not the people I'm sent to. The message is given to preach. It's not the message I'm giving to preach. Every one of us may have the ministry of reconciliation, but the word we have been given are different. In the building of a house, there are so many artisans. The, 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 the electrician, the plumber, the bricklayer, the metal worker, the tarazo people, all of these people are working there. And we need to understand that our ministries are specializations. You and I are specialists to some degree. The anointing on our lives are expected to make a different impact from the anointing on somebody else's life. And the earlier we know that, the better. So you cannot be operating. Every clear cannot be operating by the principles of a plumber. Why an iron bender cannot be operating by the principles of an electrician? So when you are sourcing your pattern from others, you are allowing someone else to dictate to you the direction of your own ministry, which is not right. Because where he is going is different from where you, are, where you are going. What God is going to reward him for will be different from what God is going to reward you for. If God has sent it to youth, it's different from. If God has sent it to businessmen, if God has sent it to the sick, it's different from. If God has sent it to the emotionally hurt. But people source their pattern, the principles that we operate from the world. They source their pattern, the principles they operate, they, they operate, uh, they, they operate with from the religious past, their traditional past. Some people source their pattern from overseas. Everything that is from America is good, including glorified spraying. When a minister is preaching, you are distracting him. You are by coming out several times to put five nana down, ten nana down, twenty nana down, you are distracting him. You are causing confusion. You are not allowing people's mind to stay on the word you are hearing. You are going up and down. You are, you are walking all over the places and causing commotion and confusion. Instead of letting us focus on the message, you are allowing the man to play to the galleries. Because the man knows that I know preachers, pastors in this ministry who told me years ago that it is the people's response that determine even the message they preach. Which means that when they are preaching and people are not coming out to give money. Because in those days they, they always take the money home and they don't count it with the offering. They say they will not begin to bless them. And when they begin to do that, the people begin to bring money. So the message God had given them for that day, they will not preach it. Because they want to play to the galleries. You see, when you source for patterns from overseas, from another part of the world, you bring your ministry to disrepute. You bring your ministry to disfocus. You allow someone else to begin to control you in a culture that is not similar to the culture 
that you are trying to copy. And like I said, the, the fifth, I mean, is it the fifth now? The fifth source of pattern is from others. Uh, the fourth source of pattern is from others. Now, the fifth source of pattern, quickly because of time. The fifth source of pattern is that people have been known to source pattern from their regenerate minds. Regenerate minds. People just source for pattern from their regenerate minds. Some people just say, well, they come up with an idea. They come up with a thought. They come up with a program. And they allow that to begin to control their ministry and themselves. Patterns can come from the regenerate minds of men. In other words, you can just think, what will I do? How should I do? Okay, let me surround myself with a spirit of, 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 of mystery. Let me surround myself with a ministry of bigness. Let me surround my, myself with a, with an awe of, uh, of, 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 of mystery. Let me surround myself with it. Patterns can come from the regenerate minds of the means The pattern are just things that come from our thought. We just come up with something. Let me say this to you. The fact that you are a Christian does not mean everything you think or you think you should do or you think ought to be done is from God. There are certain thoughts in our hearts that are not from God. The Bible says in Proverbs 16 verse 9, a man's heart devises his ways. He said, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 19:21. He said, there are many devices in the heart of a man. He said, but the counsel of the Lord, it shall turn. Jeremiah 10, 23. He said, this I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his own path. I have seen people who have done things and have allowed those things to control their ministry and those thoughts and ideas are not from God. Several years ago in this country, there was a church that developed a pattern of what we call artificial groaning. Artificial groaning in prayer. I mean, it became the landmark of that ministry. The man was known for it. He wrote a book on it. The woman was known for it. They wrote a book on it. They set up a structure. And they said they, they believed it was an idea that God gave them. They call it, to me, it's artificial groaning. What they do is that they said, now let's begin to pray. So everybody will be praying the spirit, praying the spirit. Then at a stage in the service, they will ring a bell. Well, well, let's begin to groan. And then everybody goes, uh, uh. now, you, you see, it was a thought, an idea that came from his mind. But he felt it was God. Now the Bible did not tell us that you and I can groan if we want to groan. The Bible tells us we groan because the Holy Spirit makes us groan. Romans chapter 8 verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings. We cannot be altered in everyday articulate language. Several years ago, there was a ministry in this country that developed the idea of drinking the anointing oil. Now, 
There is no place for such a thing in the word of God. But the ministry just came up with the idea that look, instead of anointing people from outside, and the oil may not go in, so anoint from the outside and then drink too. You know, and they came up with it and they started selling. It was all over the places. It was all over the places. They developed some other ones. Like a blood of sprinkling, carrying of mantle, washing of feet, and so on. Now, these are patterns that come from the regenerate mind of man, but which are not God instructed. <laughs> you know, when you look at it, there is no clear understanding. And they surround with the mystery. Especially the washing of feet. They take it from John 13 verse 7. That Jesus said to them concerning washing of feet. That which I do now you know not of. But you shall know hereafter. Books we are written. Seminars we are done. Tapes we are preached. It is not oil. It is not natural. It is the mystery. Mystery of God in a bottle. Oh dear. And it was all over. Now what I'm saying is this. Now that is someone sourcing a pattern from his regenerate mind. He just comes up with something, thinks through it, and comes up with a brilliant idea, which is not a good idea. The word of God tells us that it's very simple. In Proverbs, I mean Psalm 94 verse 11, he said, the Lord read the thoughts of men that they are vain, vain. First Corinthians 3.20 the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are vain, vain. Patterns can be sourced from the regenerate mind of man. You just come up with a doctrine. You just come up with a thought. You just come up with an intelligent putting together of things. Intelligent putting together. And you see, down church history, it has been there. Let me give you a good example. I was watching television in America one day and a woman of God known as Marilyn Henkel of the Christ, is it Happy Church in Denver, Colorado. She came on television and she was talking about how God had given her this wonderful revelation about how you can write a scripture, type a scripture on a label and put it under your shoe. You stick it to your shoe. And then you'll be treading all over the place. And you say, I'm treading upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. Uh, and she made a big deal of it. And I was just watching her on television. And I was so surprised that at that kind of advanced age, she was going into error. Now, you see, the doctrine of devils does not, it doesn't pray more than that. I was again on television one day. I saw another man known as John George Popov. Popov, that's his name. And this man said he had just come back from Israel. And he had collected water from the Dead Sea. And he had put them into small bottles. And that he was ready to send anybody who had been struggling with the problem for three years. He was ready to send them this bottle. Since this water is from the sea, we are Pharaoh and his army, we are drowned. All you need to do is open the bottle and pour it on your head. I said, all the problem. And I, and I sat there and I was looking at it. You see, this <laughs> oh dear, what have I said? Now that thing started controlling his ministry. Started controlling his ministry. There used to be a man known as Bob Tilton. Robert Tilton. Several years ago, I went to their church in Dallas. What a faith family church. In those days, it was a mega church. There were about 25,000 people. They had live television program every day. 
satellite all over the world. It was it wasn't the days in which like when we live now, where satellite television is all over the places. And I watched the man there, and he was talking about vows, 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 and he made such a big deal of vows to the point that it was no longer scriptural. Now those are patterns that are coming from the regenerate minds of men, but which are not God given. So remember those sources of pattern. Pattern from. You see, when a thought occurred to you, a brilliant idea, that does not mean God is saying it. That does not mean God has directed you to do it. That does not mean that God is saying that is the way things are supposed to be. It could be a one-off thing. Once and that's all. Let me tell you this. <laughs> there was a, one of our pastors some years ago. One of our churches in Ibadan. One of the church, mem- church members called me on phone. And he said, excuse me, sir. Please, the pastor you have put here is a herbalist, though. You better withdraw him quickly. And I said, what? He said, the Sunday before they called me, he got a bucket of water and put it in front of the church and said to the church that they know that God is washing the church by the water of the word. And that when God created, he used the word and the spirit. So he poured the anointing oil into the water and he started sprinkling on them. Receive the word, receive the anointing, receive the word. And so they, they are, the people in the church had never seen something stupid like that. So they called me and said, ah, the man you have sent here is a herbalist. You need to quickly find a way of, 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 of straightening him out. What I'm saying is this. Now those are patterns from the regenerate man. They are Christians. They add one to one and they come out with five. And they think because that is the way it has occurred to them, it is God. They are deceived. You know, and they are taken by their own thought without even subjecting it and asking is this God? Is this Bible? Is this defensive in the light of the scriptures? Now, private interpretation to scriptures is what is called heresy. Doctrines of devils occur when someone who is a minister takes a truth and stretches it beyond where it's supposed to be. When you misinterpret, you add to, you subtract, or you redefine a statement that God made to be for a season, not to be for all seasons. So we should be careful. What am I saying today? What I'm saying is, patterns are the things that determine how we operate in ministry and as ministers. And they are from sources. The first source is from the world. The second source is from, what did I say? Okay. The, the, the second source is from the past. Religious. I mean, religious past. The third source is from overseas. The fourth source is from others. The fifth source is from our regenerate minds. But the sixth source of pattern, and which I think you and I must adhere to, is that our pattern must come from God. Our pattern. In other words, the design and the forces that determine how we operate must come from God. Must come from God. There is no other source that is better. Not from overseas. Not from others. Not from our own regenerate minds. Not from our traditional past. But from God. I want to say five, six things about patterns that come from God before I begin to tie up the message of tonight. 
Remember the topic of my message is it's what you make of it. It is what you make of it. Now I want to say a few things about patterns. The patterns that come from God. Number one, God is a God of order. He does not do anything promiscuously. Have that on the back of your mind as a minister. God is a God of order. Whenever you want to do something, know this, that God is a God of order. He does not do anything promiscuously. He does not do anything promiscuously. He is a God of order. Psalm 15 verse 23, Whosoever offered praise glorified me. And to he that ordereth his conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. God is a God of order. First Corinthians 14 40, Let all things be done decently and in order. He does not do things promiscuously. He does not do things anyhow. Sprinkling water and anointing oil on people, God does not pray like that. He doesn't do like that. He does not tell you to do what his word does not clearly say. Let me give you the second point before I amplify that. Second thing is that God is very detailed and exact about how he wants things done. He is very detailed and exact about how he wants things done. He does not do things promiscuously and he is very detailed and exact about how he wants things done. He is exact about how he wants things done. Whenever God wants something done, he does, not, he does not say it in a way in which you need to come into it with your own interpretation. When it comes to giving your life to Christ, he said, if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. He is exact in whatever he wants done. If God wants something to be the pattern that will control your life and ministry, he will state it. He does not leave it to private interpretation. He is exact. He did not say, let there be a change of weather. He said, let there be light and there was light. Let the waters above separate from the waters below and it was so. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fowls of the air, over the fishes in the water and over every creeping thing that creeps. He does not, he says what he wants done in an exact manner. If you think you have a call of God on your life, when I hear what you say God called you to do, I will know whether you are called or not. I will know whether you are coming up with what you are saying. Let me give you a good example. Somebody said to me, listen, somebody said this to me. And immediately they said it to me, I just laughed. He said, God said to him, it is now time for you to build the church of your dream. Now, in what place did God leave us as builders to build the church of what? Our dream. Will God allow you to build your dream or his dream? Immediately he said it, I said, uh -uh. I just did this, was not it. 
I don't know whether you listen to people properly. If you are a sister and a man comes to you and says, I want to marry you, tell him to tell you exactly why he wants to marry you. Hear it. By hearing it, you know whether he's telling the truth or not. The same way your mouth can differentiate salty food from saltless food, that is the same way your ears can differentiate between right and wrong words. Proverbs 25, 11. As an apple of gold in a picture of silver, so is a word that is fearless spoken. When somebody says something that is not from God, except you don't, you're not familiar with the Bible. First Timothy 4, 1. The Spirit of God speaketh what? Expressly. Definitely. Exactly. Clearly. I remember some years ago, we were interviewing ministers who are going to join this ministry. And we asked one young man, we said to him, said, what is your call? What is the call? He said, I just heard God say to me, I am an apostle. I'm an apostle. I said, eh? He said that. He said, yeah. I said, apostle to where? He said, God now said to him, I am an, I'm made you an apostle to California city, to California city, to California city. Now, he did not know that California is not a city, it's a state. So that is to let you know that he didn't hear anything. It's so clear. Listen to people. Read their lips. He said, God said, I made you an apostle to California. I said, California what? He said, God said it three times. California city, California city. I said, then, God, is not, God is not sending you to California state that he established. Probably there is a city somewhere I don't know that is California city. When God, listen, when God gives a pattern, it's clear. I remember another one came to us and we were interviewing them. You see, in those days, I never used to listen to people closely because I just feel like a child of God should be very serious about what they But I've since realized that you can help some people by listening to them. Not by praying for them, but by what? Listening. Immediately you listen to them, you'll be able to help them. So we asked him, what is your call? He said, God said to him. He said, this was the call. He, was, he had left his job and he was not coming for this interview. And he said, God said to him, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures. I said, uh-uh. Your own. Your own. He said, that's what God said. I said, that's what he said to you. I said, go back and get a job. Then you can do that and continue doing that. When you listen to people, you can help them. So the second thing I said here tonight, here, is that God is a God of order, but God is very detailed and exact about what the things he wants done. Number three, God has had, God has had a pattern for every structure he ever built. Any structure God ever built, he has always had a structure for it. Any structure God ever built, he had always had a pattern for it. When Noah was going to build an ark, if you read Genesis chapter 6, verse 14 to 15, God gave him a detailed pattern. A detailed pattern. When Moses was going to build the tabernacle in the wilderness, according to Exodus 25 verse 9, Exodus 25 verse 40, God gave him a detailed pattern. When Solomon was going to build a temple for God, in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, open to 1 Chronicles chapter 28, God is a God of clear pattern. It is the pattern that controls how we operate. If we have problem with the way people operate, is because there is no pattern. Someone says, I want to start a ministry, I want to start a ministry, and is going around begging people for money. Of course, you will say, let me say this to you. If God does not offer order for something, he will not pay for it. 
you are going to be the person who is going to finance it. This ministry since we started till today, I cannot remember sitting down somewhere and asking somebody for money that I will use to finance the work. Even when I was earning 345 naira. It's never necessary. First Chronicles 28. I can't imagine when David was going to build, when Solomon was going to build, he never begged for the money he needed to build. One evidence that God has sent you and that the pattern he has given you is from him is that there will be definite exact thing that is asking you to do and there will be definite support that is coming in a way that is not a product of you leoning or begging or conjoying, cajoling people or manipulating them. Or manipulating them. In First Chronicles 20, 28, I read from verse 11. Then David gave to Solomon, his son, the pattern, pattern, pattern of the porch and of the houses thereof and of the treasures thereof and of the upper chambers thereof. You can see details. And of the inner palace thereof and of the places of the masses and the pattern of all that he had by the spirit of the court of the house of the Lord and of the chambers round about of the treasures of the house of God and of the treasures. You can read on and read on till verse 19. You will see the pattern is detailed in Moses' temple. I mean Moses' tabernacle. In Solomon's temple. In Ezekiel's temple. Ezekiel chapter 43. Verse 10 and 11. You see the pattern is detailed. Another thing about pattern the point four I'm going to make about pattern is everything we do must measure up to the pattern if we expect God to feel what we do which is glory. Everything we do, no matter where, no matter when must measure up to the pattern if we expect God to feel what we do with his glory. Everything we do must measure up to the pattern must measure up to the pattern if we expect God to fill it with his glory so if you get your pattern from overseas if you get your pattern from others God is not bound to fill it with his glory if you get your pattern from your traditional past if you get your pattern from the world God is not bound to fill it with his glory. I have been to churches well organized, elderly, everything was ordered, everything was placed right, but no life. No life. People were many because the advertisement is rigorous, the equipment is first class, the hall is exquisite, the musicians are professional, everything first class, but no life. Because the pattern is just gotten from the world. The pattern is not from God. So no life. If the pattern is from overseas, you will see that you are forcing yourself to do it. It will not come naturally. If the pattern is from others, it will be like David trying to kill Goliath with the armor of Saul, which will not work. The easiest way to function is to function the way God has made you. Trying to function in some other way, no matter how good it is, 
is not a better way to function than the way God has made you. The easiest and the best way to operate is to operate the way God has made you. To be yourself. When you sing, sing like yourself. When you preach, preach like yourself. When you operate, operate like yourself. That is the easiest. The easiest thing to be is to be yourself. We learn from others. We drink of the river that God has blessed other people with. But in the final analysis, our own pattern as given by God is what is supposed to direct our operation. Or else we run out of breath. There are ministries who are running like other ministries and they have run out of breath. Run out of money. They no longer have money to be able to finance the jamboree that they are operating in. We need to learn how to operate like that. Everything we do must measure up to the pattern. If we expect God to fill what we do with his glory. After Moses built that tabernacle in Exodus chapter 40 verse 33 and 34. The Bible said the glory of God came down into it. After Solomon built that tabernacle. The way, I mean that temple. The way God said he should do. Second Chronicles chapter 5 verse 1 to 14. The glory of God came into it. With no effort. No extra effort. No extra effort. Just be in your own area. Let your pattern be sourced from God. God, what will you have me do? What will you have me do? Where will you have me go? How will you want me to operate? Tell me clearly, definitely. The easiest thing I find to do is to travel overseas. Is to get invitation from so many countries of the world. On this trip, invitation came from Cyprus, from Greece. From, and I was saying to God, there are other people, God. There are other people, why is it that everybody wants me to come? I don't even have enough Sunday anymore. And God said, well, it's because you source your pattern from me and you apply yourself to it. It's as simple as that. The easiest thing to be, be yourself. The most difficult thing to be is to be somebody else. Because who you are not made to be, you can't be. No matter how you copy, no matter how you try to be them, you can't be. Another thing I would like to say is this. We cannot violate the pattern of God if we are to experience the blessing of God. We cannot violate the pattern of God if we are to experience the blessing of God. Cain violated God's pattern in bringing offerings to God and he did not experience the blessing of God. Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus 10 violated the pattern of God and there was no way they could experience the blessing of God. In 2 Samuel chapter 6 verse 6 Uzzah violated the pattern of God and there was no way he could experience the blessing of God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 26 from verse 16 Uzziah the king violated the pattern of God and there was no way he could experience the blessing of God. In number 16, Datam, Korah, and Abiram and other mighty men in Israel violated the pattern of God and there was no way they could experience the blessing of God. The real problem with many ministries is violation of God's pattern. They do not have a pattern that they are operating by. And without a pattern to operate by, they will be here today, there tomorrow, next week this place, and they will come across to you like someone giving the impression that God is confused. 
They will begin. You see, by the very many things they say God is saying, it should be like God is a confused person. Look, let me share this to you. From the beginning of whatever God is going to do, He knows everything He's going to do. Have you ever heard some people say to you, Ah, no, I will never have a church. God forbid. Nothing like that will happen. And then the same people will come in the name of the same God and say, Well, I'm going to start a church. Now, listen to me. I always tell people this there is no reason for you to tell people if you don't know. So that you tell people is because we believe you do what? No. I have told people over the years, I cannot relocate to England. I have told them over the years, I cannot live in Lagos. I have told them over the years, I cannot relocate to America. And that is still what I'm doing now. I'm here. Before God created, before God, look, God knew Jesus was going to come to this world as far back as the foundation of the world. In the beginning was the word. The word was what? With God and the word was God. Listen, if you don't look, if you say you are not going to, we assume that you know what you are saying. Now, if you come later and say you are going to, we don't know which one to believe. If you don't know, you say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I told people years ago, 1989, when we were here in Rema Chapel, I said, I won't leave you lonely. They said, eh, 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 you will leave. Eh, 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 you will leave. We started a church in about 1990. I didn't go. We started a church in 1991 in Lagos. I didn't go. This is 15 years after we started a church in England. I did not go. Even if we start in America, I will not go. I am here. This is where I am. If you don't know from the beginning, you say you don't know. It's better. Now, to give the impression that God is confused. Because God is not. It's like a woman who said, I will not marry. I will not marry. And after some years, she says, I'm going to marry. But I will marry at the age of 35. Excuse me. You see, what you don't know, you don't know. Just say, I don't know. God is unchanged and unchangeable. He is immutable. He does not change his mind. The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. God does not change his mind as to who he calls or who he sends his blessings to. He doesn't. But people just keep changing their mind. Hey, I won't go to Lagos. I won't accept it. I have said it years and years that I will not become a bishop. How many of you know I've said that? Yes, yes, yes. I said I will. I said, it's not me. I was hearing... Rema Chabu, a bishop came from America. How many of you are there? And the man ordained me as a bishop by force. And I stood up and what did I say? I said, no, this thing is not meant for me. Because from the beginning I have known that it's not my area. It's not my area. The only thing that I can add in front of my name is doctor. And not just from the uh, seminary or cemetery. He's doctor, that's all. Apart from that, mm, uh, professor, uh, uh, I don't need all of that. I don't need it. I said it years ago. Don't waste your time. Look, they have offered me bishopric in this country in four places, at least four. Apart from the man who came from America and anointed me by force. If it are some people that I know, they will just accept it. I don't accept what is not mine. I don't sign for a packet that my name is not written against it. It, it depends 
that's what you're making of it. Let's go here. One more thing I quickly say here is this. I've said all of that, but let me put this one in here. The next, we cannot violate the pattern of God if we are to experience the blessing of God. Then the last thing I'm going to say is that God isn't interested in our excuses for not following his pattern. He's not interested. If God gives you a pattern to follow and you don't follow it, he's not interested in your excuse. Uh, I was afraid of the people. A waste of time. My pattern, 1 Samuel 15, he gave Saul a pattern. Go to Amalek, kill everybody and burn the whole place down. Go there and do that. And the man came back and said, hey, I was afraid of the people. Uh, uh, this, uh, he's, he's, he's not interested. When Adam failed God and did not accept the pattern God gave him, did God say, well, don't worry, I understand the situation you are in? No. God is not interested in the excuses we give when he gives us pattern and we don't take it and we don't, we amend it or we add to it or we take from it. He's not interested. He's not interested. He told me, he said, take my word to the nations. Emphasizing the integrity. Period. And that's all I'm doing. And that's all I will ever do. My own desire is to be found in Christ. Not having my own righteousness. I'm not competing or contesting with anybody. I just want to do the will of he who has sent me and to finish his work. That's all. I just want to stay in my own area of things and do exactly to the best of my ability and understanding what he has called me to do, period. My reward will not be determined by somebody else's performance. It will not. He said, I have called thee, I have chosen thee, I have ordained and anointed thee to take my word to the nations emphasizing the integrity. I told somebody, I said, God did not say, take my word to all the nations. That's why I don't count the number of countries I've gone to. Because if I count the number of countries that I'm trying to account for my performance by the number I've gone to. He said, I will go ahead of you and whatever door he opens, I enter. That's all. I'm not bothered. If it is the same old door, I will enter. If there are new doors, I will enter. I preach in all manners of churches. All manner of churches. And I'm not bothered. I just go there, preach the word, emphasize his integrity. And that's all. And I leave the place. Not bothered whether you are impressed or not impressed. Not bothered whether you call me back or not. For every one person who does not call me back, 20 new people call me. Does it matter? Because not everybody who wants the integrity of the world. It's not everybody who loves it. Some people want to only hear the thing that will make them happy. What will make them unhappy, they don't want to hear it. Quickly, because of time, I have a few more minutes, but I will try and see if I can still tidy this message up today. But let me go ahead by saying this. God isn't interested in our excuses for not following his pattern. Nothing can justify our disobedience to his pattern. Now, in the next 30 minutes, I hope to be able to tidy this up. I want you to listen to me. There is a principle of divine oppression which I have come to realize is a pattern with God. There is a principle of divine oppression which I have come to realize is a pattern with God. And I want you to hear me as a young minister. I'm speaking to you as a young minister today and I want you to understand this very important thing. There is a principle of divine operation 
which I have come to realize is a pattern with almost every servant of God that he has ever used. And that principle is this. God will first of all hide you before he shows you. It's a pattern. It is a pattern from heaven. It is a principle of divine operation which is a pattern I have received from God. God will first of all conceal you, veil you, hide you before he shows you to the world. I am saying this and I want you to listen. As a young man, before God recommends your ministry to the world, you will go through a period of insignificance. A period when you will not be recognized by those who see you. Those who see you will not know that you are called to be who God called you to be. That period is a period of hiding you. There is nobody, a leader, and a minister who did great things for God who was first of all not first hidden before he was shown. First, first King 17, I will read, was the beginning of the ministry of Elijah. Before First King 17, you hardly hear about Elijah. And the Bible says this in First King 17. I've read it tonight, but let me read it again to you. First King 17. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom That was the first time that man showed up. It was the first time we see him in the Bible. Verse 2 says that the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself. Hide thyself. Young minister, listen to me. Where you are now in ministry is God hiding you. It depends on what you make of this period that will determine your manifestation. You can never manifest better or higher than the way into which you put the period of your hiding. The period of your hiding is so important. What you make of that period, that season, will determine to a great extent what you'll be able to do when you are shown to Israel. There was never a leader in the Bible that God did not first of all hide before he showed. In 1 Kings chapter 18 now, you read that scripture in verse 1, he said, and it came to pass after many days. That the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself. How many years? Three years in hiding. He said, Go show yourself. What meant the meaning of that is that in those three years, Elijah was in hiding. God was cooking him up. And whatever Elijah was able to do when he showed up was determined by what God was able to do in him 
when he was in hiding. Go hide yourself. Jesus was hidden for 18 years. Moses was hidden. The Bible said in Exodus chapter 2 verse 2, when his mother gave back to him, he was hidden for three months before they brought him out. When they brought him out, God took him into the palace of Pharaoh. And that was why he was hidden for 40 years. When he got to the palace of Pharaoh towards the end of his 40th year, he made a mistake by killing an Egyptian because of a Jew. He ran and God hid him in the backside of the desert. There is nobody that was ever shown to Israel who was first of all not hidden. It depends on what you do with your time of hiding. John the Baptist, he was hidden. The Bible says in Luke 180, he said the child grew and walked strong in spirit and was in the desert until the day of his showing to Israel. John the Baptist was hidden. Paul was hidden. After Paul, God said people wanted to kill him. The word of God tells us that he went to Arabia and he was there for 17 years. And when he came back from Arabia, he went to Tarsus, his hometown, and there was where he was hiding until they came and called him. There will first of all be a hiding before there can be a showing. Is a pattern. This pattern I'm telling you is a pattern I received from God. The way you use now will go a long way to determine how far you go in ministry. It will determine. People do not know that by what they do when they are insignificant, they are determining how far they will go when they become prominent. It never looks like it, but that is the divine pattern. Jacob was hidden. Jacob had to be hidden with Laban. Genesis 27, verse 41 to 45, he was hidden with Laban. Joseph was hidden. Where? He was first of all hidden in Potiphar's house. From Potiphar's house, where was he hidden? In the prison. He spent 10 to 12 years in prison for an offense he did not commit. He was hidden. And it was from there God brought him out and he saw the fulfillment of the vision. How he used the period of his hiding determined to a great extent the degree to which he was able to manifest. If you look down on your time of hiding, you are only cutting short the expression of your potential. If you disregard to do the first works in the time of... You see, now, nobody knows you. Nobody knew Joseph in those days when he was in Potiphar's house. Nobody knew the vision and the dream in his heart. Nobody knew Jacob. Nobody knew Moses. It was, go hide yourself. Elisha was hidden. Elisha served Elijah for 11 years. Joshua was hidden. In the book of, in the book of Exodus 24, 13, we were told that Joshua was a servant of Moses. Actually, the Hebrew said Joshua was a body servant. Body servant means somebody who washed clothes. Who pour water on the hand of the man who is eating? You know, Elisha did that too. Elisha poured water on the hand of Elijah. Joshua was like an errand boy. 
but he used it well. Whosoever uses the office of a wicked well, purchases for himself a good degree and great boldness in the faith that is of Christ. Let me say this to you. Seven deacons. We are chosen in the early church. Only two of them made it beyond deaconhood. How are you using the period of your hiding? Nobody knows you now. Nobody invites you. You are insignificant. Nobody knows your name. Nobody knows where you are from. Nobody bothers about whether you are called or not. But you know something? This is your time of hiding. And God is deliberately doing it. Your full potential is not realized. Your full potential is not appreciated. Not many people know the extent to which your ministry is going according to the revelation of God to you. But you see, it's your hiding. And it is you who determine how far you can go when God says, go and show yourself. After three years, when Elijah walked up to Elisha, to, to Ahab, I mean, he was powerful. But he had to hide himself first. It is a principle, it is a pattern. I was hidden in this town. This same town now, I can't go anywhere without somebody knowing me. It was the same town in those days that I walked around and about and nobody even said hello, good afternoon. What was God doing that time? Hiding me. Now I finally got to go anywhere. Anywhere I go, they are looking at me, they are greeting me, they are, they are coming to me, they are saying pray for me, they are saying help me. Everywhere. People from all tribes and tongues and religious beliefs. But it was in this same town I was. And nobody will ever care. I will trek from Manaba to post office. I will trek from post office to teaching hospital. I will trek from post office to something. Nobody will say hello. Can I do that now? So in those days when I was here and I was walking about, what did God do? He was hiding. Nobody knew me. And I never knew anybody myself. So understand what I'm saying this, this night. Hiding before showing is the principle of divine oppression in all things. A baby is first of all hidden before the baby is shown. A building is first of all hidden in lines, drawings, and painting before it's shown. It's a principle of oppression. The world was created already in the image of God's mind. But he had to say, let there be. And there was. It was hidden somewhere. Christ was hidden somewhere. Before he came forth. The principle of hiding before showing is God's principle. A baby is hidden in the womb for nine months before the baby is born. Your ministry is hidden now. Let me say this to you. If some people know how far you are going to go in the ministry, they will prostrate to you down. But because God is hiding it from them, he is not allowing them to see it. That is why it seems that nobody really cares about you now. But it's the principle of God. He told him, he says, go hide yourself. Years ago when I would lock up myself in my office, I mean my house, from Friday to Monday, and I will not open the door. I will not take visitors. What was I doing? Hiding myself. Nobody knew me. Nobody knew whether I was alive or, or not alive. Nobody knew whether I was there. It, 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 it depends on what you do with this time. It depends on it. By what you do now, refuse to do you determine how far you can go. 
when I look at some young men in these ministries years ago, years ago, when God was hiding them, in, you learn here, when God was hiding them, and how they were trivializing it, how they were talking nonsense, how they were behaving anyhow, how they were disregarding authority, how they were insulting the sensibility of the ministry leadership. When the time came for them to be seen, go and show yourself, they showed themselves for two, three years, and they disappeared. Some of them are still there showing themselves now. What is the difference between them and those? The difference was that they took the time of their hiding seriously. Moses was hidden. Joshua was hidden. Joseph was hidden. Jacob was hidden. David was hidden. Everybody was at home. David was in the backside of the desert. He was killing the bear. He was killing the lion. But nobody knew about it. Until the day he said it, nobody knew. But the time came when he showed himself. In the king's palace. He showed himself a little bit. Then he started running again. Then he hid again in the wilderness. David hid himself. John the Baptist hid himself. Jesus was also hidden. The child grew. Because of time, let me say a few things to you about this period called the hiding period. Number one, the length of everybody's hiding period differs. The length of everybody's hiding period differs. Some people are going to be hidden for longer than others. Some people's hiding period will be five years, some may be seven years, some may be ten years. Jesus' hiding period was how many years? Thirty. For thirty years, nobody knew Jesus was on earth. Most people did not know. The only person who knew was on earth was his mother. For thirty years. You have the call of God. But nobody knew about the call. I had the call of God in 1981, December 19th. But nobody knew I had the kind of call that is now taking me to the nation. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. Let me say this to you. It is not ability to preach or teach or organize or arrange messages that open doors. It is not. I know people who can preach and they preach well. But no doors. So the opening of door is not as a result of, I can preach. It's not. So the length of hiding vary. Some people are going to be hidden for three years only. And boom, you're out there. Some who are hidden for 10 years. Some people for 12 years. And boom, you're out there. By 1984, my hiding period was over. I had become a golden fish that had no hiding place. Invitations were flooding me. We had not started a church. We had not started a ministry. But all my Sundays were booked in a year. I saw one of my, I saw one of my diaries recently. Diary of 1984. And I saw in 52 Sundays, 35 was booked in 1984. My hiding period was only four years. But do not compare somebody's period with your own period. Our periods are different because our calling are different and where we are going are different.
Number two. The place of hiding very. The places where God will hide us very. He hid Joseph in the prison and in Potiphar's house. He hid Moses in the backside of the desert. He hid John the Baptist in the wilderness. He hid Jacob with Laban. He hid Moses with his father-in-law. Moses had to be with his father-in-law. He got married there. Got his first child there. Before he now came to lead the children of Israel out of promised land. The places where we are going to be hidden are different. Not only the length of period different. This is a divine place. Let me say this to you. It's a divine pattern. You are going to be hidden first before you show yourself. If you see people today whose ministry are impotent, when they show themselves and they have nothing, it's because their hiding period was not well utilized. And that's what many of you are doing. You're wasting your time. You will never have it this way again. You will never have a second opportunity to make a first impression. The chances of today will come and pass and never be repeated. Number three, not only a length of period different, not only a place of, of hiding very, in your hiding period, look to God for your sustenance. Who was it that kept Elijah when he was hiding? He said, I will command the ravens to bring you flesh and bread in the morning, flesh and bread in the night, and you will drink of the brook chariot. And when the river dried up, he did what? He provided a widow. Let me say this to your minister. Let me say this to you. When you are in hiding, you need to trust God to meet your need. You are looking for salary. Elijah's need were supernaturally met. Those who are in hiding are provided for by God. How was Joseph's need met? How was Jacob's need met? How was Daniel's need met in Babylon? Supernaturally. When I was in hiding, I had, I had nothing I could depend upon. My salary was not enough to take care of me. Not talk about what I was doing. But God supernaturally, I can tell you testimony after testimony of supernatural provision. When you are in hiding, look to him for supernatural sustenance. Number four. Conditions during your hiding period will always not be palatable. They will be stringent. Conditions during your hiding period will not be palatable. You may not be drinking tea and eating bread with fish. He said bread and flesh in the morning, no lunch. And then bread at night in the night. Drink of the river. How many of you drink of the river? Is it not pure water you are looking for? He said the man was so strong in drinking because food was not filling his belly. A bird, a bird. A bird is an unhygienic creature to bring you food. Condition during hiding is not perfect. Hey, they are not paying me salary. Of course, 
In fact, they are trying. Look at the kind of food that uh, uh, John the Baptist was eating night in. Locust and wild honey. He was wearing camel's skin. Do you think when Jacob was living in Laban, it was it was a good it was the conditions were palatable? Laban changed his salary ten times. Conditioned reality is not is not look now I can eat, I can do what I want. But there were times in those days, even if you are hungry, there was no food. Conditions during hiding are stringent. We are looking for comfort. During hiding, there is no comfort. You are in training. Moses was in the backside of the desert. The backside of the desert. People who are in hiding should know this. The conditions in hiding during your hiding period would be stringent and unusually unpalatable. When Joshua was following Moses around, there was a time that Moses' hand was weary. And he literally said, Joshua had to hold that hand up. Let me share this to you. When you raise up your own hand like this without holding anybody's hand, you know how heavy it can be after a while? Now for you now to be holding not just your own hand up, and holding somebody's hand, conditions are not palatable. The man may sleep and say you should be fanning him. Yes. And it's part of your hiding. Go and hide yourself. Bread and flesh in the morning, no lunch. Bread and flesh in the night. One zero one. And the man drank the water brook and finished the whole river. That is why the scripture says, out of your belly shall flow rivers. Of course, if you drink a whole river, you expect a river to flow out of your belly. <laughs> oh, yes. Conditions in that period. And somebody, if you are a student, when you are in school, how does it look like? Conditions when you are in school cannot be compared to when you are at home. Conditions when you are a student is different from when you are a graduate who is already employed. And look, all of you here, most of you are in hiding. What you are going through is good for you. When I was in your shoes, I cannot change shirts like you are changing shirts. You are even having GSM, you are calling and texting people in the night. I didn't have anything to text anybody with. Nothing, nothing. The condition was serious and bad. It depends on what you make of this period. Oh, let me say it again. It, it's a pattern with God. You must hide before he shows you. When you are shown, that is when you begin to reap the harvest of your hiding. And what you made of it. Because of time. Let me go on here quickly. What you do when you are hiding... Your vocation during your hiding will vary. What you will do when you are hiding will be different from what somebody else is doing when they are hiding. What was Elijah doing when he was hiding? He was resting. What was Jacob doing when he was hiding? He was living. What did Elisha do when he was hiding? 
he was waiting on Elijah. John the Baptist, we are not told what he did when he was hiding. It was only towards the end of his hiding period that he came out. What you will do during your hiding is determined according to the predetermined counsel of God. It is not you who determine it. It is not me who determine it. But let me say this to you. In your hiding, anything they give you to do is a honor for you to do it. It's a honor. Because you are not qualified to do anything. That was the problem of Gehazi. Gehazi was supposed to be in hiding on, in training under Elisha. But he was busy connecting honorarium. He was busy connecting honorarium. And that was why he became leprous. Because it was not time for him to begin to suck the horn in the rock. What you need to do now, whatever your hand finds to do. It is a honor for you to be given anything to be done, to do. Those who are in hiding, go and look at it from beginning to the end. They slaved. They sowed to themselves in righteousness. They kept the victory of their master. Whosoever honored his master shall be blessed, shall be rewarded. Whosoever keepeth the victory shall eat of the fruit thereof. People who are in hiding, who are where you are, slave. In those days, I will preach three services on Sunday and I will not be given 15 naira. The, the best they will give me is a cup of water. The same messages I preached then that was not worth 50 naira. I preach them now and they give me one million. One million for that one. The same message, the integrity of the world. The same thing. Read the word, study the word, speak the word, meditate in the word, preach the word, know the word, do the word. The same message. I will preach it, school of nursing in the evening, go to Kwarapoli, preach Sunday school, go to University of Illinois, Amen campus, preach Sunday service, go to the school of midwifery in the evening, preach. One day I preach four times, not even 15 naira. But the same message now, I finish preaching, I say, mm. and I will even pocket it. And send them a text of appreciation, say, God bless you for that wonderful offering that you are led to give. But you see, the point is that <laughs> go hide yourself. It was the period when I was hiding niceness that my message developed, that my character developed, that my focus developed, that the anointing developed. You want to show yourself without having hidden yourself? Uh uh. It was when Jesus showed himself, said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. But when he was hiding himself, did he say that? Could he have said that? That's not who could have said that. He did it for 30 years. The vocation. Now let me say another thing. I've said one, two, three, four, five, six now. The time of your hiding is part of his plan for your life. It's part of his plan. Don't look at the time of your hiding as something different. It's part of the is part of his plan for your life is part of your calling is part of your life history it's not a bad portion it's not an evil portion it's an important portion the time of hiding is part of his plan for our lives never be in a hurry 
let your hiding period run its full course. Don't graduate yourself before time. Many young men graduated themselves from hiding here in this ministry. They graduated themselves. The Bible says, if you read Galatians chapter 4 verse 1, it says, the hair, for as long as a servant, is a child, is not different from a servant, though he's Lord of all, is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. The time appointed. The time of your hiding is part of your ministry. The time that a plant takes in developing a root is part of its growth. Because without root, you cannot have stem. You cannot have leaves. It's part of its plan for your life. Don't be in a hurry. If Jesus was, was in hiding for 30 years for a ministry of three and a half years, what's your problem? Let me say this to you. It is not how long you are in ministry for. It is the impact you make. I am always unhappy when somebody says, I'm celebrating 15 years of ministry and there's nothing to show. Achievement, achievement. 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 I still ridiculous. Somebody sent me an invitation card. He's celebrating 20 years of supernatural ministry and he's still asking for donations. 20 years of supernatural ministry and you're still having for donation? He was going to, he was going, he said he was going to commit two books to read it. And when we got there, the quality of the book is not good than a handout in the, in the Bible study. 20 years. I say, if this is what 20 years of supernatural ministry is, then <laughs> I don't understand. The time of hiding is part of his plan for our lives. Let me give you two more points. The day will always come when your hiding will be over. <clears throat> Hallelujah. The day will always come when your hiding will what? Be over. The day came for Jesus, his hiding was over. The came day came for Joseph, his hiding was over. The day came for Jacob, his hiding was over. The day came for David, his hiding was over. The day will always come when your hiding will be over. When you graduate from the school of hiding, when a voice will come from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's all. That's all. Graduation day. Graduation day. The day, look, except you are not in hiding, the day will come when, as the aircraft takes off from the ground, you will hear. This is the beginning of several trips like these to the nations of the world. The day will always come. But it all depends on what you make of your hiding Elon is a good place to hide. I'm telling you. 
you can develop your tap root here. You can develop keen spiritual eyesight here. You can develop keen hearing capabilities here. Your hiding period is a very important period. Today, what I'm going, what I'm able to do was based on what I was able to do when I was in hiding. How could I ever have been able to do what I'm doing today if I had not spent some time hiding, developing, growing inward, outward, upward, downward, and onward? How would I have been able to? day will always come. The day will always come. Conditions of hiding unpalatable. They will make you sleep on the floor. But many of you nowadays, you don't want to go through that. You don't want to. Mm -mm, no. I don't want to suffer. Me, no go suffer. Anybody who does not suffer cannot enjoy plenty. Philippians 1.29, I want to read this given on the behalf of Christ. Not only to believe on him, but to suffer for his name's sake. 2 Timothy 3.12, they that shall live godly in this world shall suffer. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I suffered many things. But now these young men don't want to suffer. But it's a pattern with God. You have to hide yourself before you show yourself. And during hiding, you will be like a, you'll be like a Joshua who will be washing the clothes of Moses. You'll be like Elijah, Elijah who will be pouring water on the hand of Elijah. You'll be like a Jacob who will be slaving for Laban and will change your salary ten times. You'll be like a Moses Moses was virtually living to maintain his father-in-law and the family. He was in hiding. But a day came after he had been announced that Jethro came to him. Before he ran to Jethro, a day came when Jethro did what? Don't worry, whatever your father-in-law is asking you to do when you want to marry the daughter. A day is coming when your father-in-law will come and visit you where you are. And you will see your zeal for God. You will see how you are enjoying yourself. But for now, when you are hiding, whatever he tells you to do, but a day will come. Every dog has his own day. A day will come. Except you are not faithful. Except you are not committed. Except you are not loyal. Except you are not dedicated. Whatsoever a man saw it, Except God is not God. In those days when I was going through those and I said yes. Except God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. Labor you do for no money, you do for love's sake. Jesus died on the cross because of love. Nobody paid him to die. Even the security man you are paying to die for you here, when is this trouble coming? <laughs> you know you pay, you, pay, you pay the security man to die for you. Because anything that is coming to you, first of all, hit him at the door. Uh -huh. Even when they see something, they're coming. One more thing I'll say. People vary in their reactions to the period of hiding. People vary. 
the reactions of all of you young men here, you differ. Some of you are happy you are going through it. Some of you don't like it. Some people get impatient during their hiding. They want to come out. Every opportunity you give them is okay. Welcome first comers. They will come and quote 15 scriptures. They are impatient. Welcome first comers and go and sit down. Don't quote any scripture or I will remove your teeth. Welcome first comers. That's what we say to you and go and sit down. I remember in those days, the only thing Victor was told to do, welcome first comers. I mean, if you know that time. Victor will come and welcome first And that's all. No scripture, nothing. He will just say, welcome. You're welcome to Rema Chapel, the home of the blessed people. We bring you the power of the world. That's all. And we handle the microphone. He could quote scriptures, but if you don't know, he me looking at him. There's no scripture. But some of us are impatient. You are telling everybody, man of God, Anna. The same God took the look at Anna. Sure, sure. Sure, sure. I remember the young man who came to me years ago. He's not selling insurance. He said, The exact word God gave you, called you with, is the exact word God called me with. I said, Are you sure? He's selling insurance now, and I'm seeing the ministry. He's selling insurance. Is it the exact words now? Is it the exact thing God said to you? I said, eh? One of us is not necessary. Surprise you. I said, Me, I'm already in it, so you are the one who's not necessary. Some people, when they are in hiding, they are distrustful, they don't trust their leader. Some people are afraid, thinking it will their hiding will be forever. Some people are dejected. Some people feel forsaken, abandoned. They feel useless. Whatever your feelings are, they mean nothing. There will always be a hiding period. And that is what you are going through right now. A period when people will look at you like this and they will not see anything. A sister will look at you and give you repeated nails as many times as possible. Repeated nails. You my go, you my go, you my you my go, you my you my you my go, you It's part of hiding life. She can't see who you are going to be. She can't. She's looking at you now, not at who you are going to be. Ah! Hiding period. And when I think about some things, I just begin to laugh. What is the purpose of God for hiding? I'm going to conclude with that. What is the purpose of God in hiding us? Number one, so that we can mature. A baby is hidden so that a baby can mature. God said this to me today. He says, the child in every one of us must grow. Isaiah 9:6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. A son being given is a product of a child that has been able to grow. 
Luke 180, Luke 240, the child grew. The reason why God is hiding you is so that you can do what? Grow. Jesus was hidden to grow. Luke 252. He said he increased in stature physically and in wisdom spiritually. Why does he hide us? So that we can grow. Why do you hide the soil seed in the soil? So that it can grow. Before you're showing to Israel, you need growth. Elijah had to be hidden so that he can grow. And then when he grew, he was able to take up the king of Israel and the entire forces of the prophet of Baal and Astaroth. Why am I being hidden? So that I may grow. God hid me in this town several years ago so that I may grow. So that I may grow spiritually. So that my ministry can also grow. Number two reason. Why does he hide us? To facilitate our closeness in fellowship with him. To facilitate the closest form of fellowship with him. During our hiding, it is the best time to develop our fellowship with him. Let me say this to you. Lift up your heads and look at me here. You can never have more time in your entire life in the future than you have now. If you are going to deepen your fellowship with God, it is now. You will become more and more busy as the days come by. You become more and more busy. Since the day I left this country, on um, 12th October, I have preached every day except Monday and Tuesday. Every day. You can never have more time in the future than what you have now. What time you have now is the greatest amount of free time you will ever have. So it depends on what you make of this time. You are going up and down doing nothing. You are sleeping for eight hours. If you sleep for eight hours every day, by the time you are 75 years old, you will have been sleeping for 25 years. This is the time to develop and mature your ministry, to write your songs, to get the core of your messages in place, to put in place the foundation of many generations. This is the time. When I look at some of you and the time you have, I just say to myself, oh, I wish I had the same time you have. When I see young men and women wasting their time, I said, I wish I had the time you have. I traveled by road all the way from Lagos this afternoon. When I got to the house, my head was making I was fasting. At the same time, I was praying the spirit was getting my message together in my brain and all that. When I lay on the bed, it was like my head was falling down in front of me like this. But I still have to go ahead. And that is me who have read the Bible through several times. You have not even read anything. What is hiding for? To grow. What is hiding for? To develop 
the closest possible fellowship with God. This is the time you can be most intimate with God. This is the time you can spend with God. Now, some, a young man told me recently, listen to what a young man said. A young man told me this in Lagos. He said, I live with my father. He said, when I realized the call of God on my life, he said, I had to go and rent a one-bedroom apartment somewhere. He said, when I enter that house, six o'clock in the evening, I pray until I cannot pray again. I sing until I cannot sing again. I read the Bible until I cannot read the Bible again. And I study until I cannot study again. He said, I am giving my all to the next two years. He said, because of the call of God. I said, that's good. That is hiding. Nobody can show himself greater than the person who hides himself. The more you hide, the more you can show. The less you hide, the less you can show. If you're already out there, you're already showing yourself. Number three, the purpose of God's hiding to mature us, to facilitate the closest form of fellowship with the Lord, to protect us from negative influence. Mm. To protect you from negative influence. From strange sisters, from strange brothers, to protect you. Protection from negative influence. There are rogue ministers out there. Rogue ministers. When I say rogue, I mean crooked, perverse, wicked, diabolical. Whose God is their belly? Who mind other things? Whose shame is in their glory? When we hide you, we are protecting from rogue ministers. I thank God I've been learning. I have not been able to mix with so many rogue ministers. To protect you. God will hide you to protect you. He hid Jacob to protect Jacob. He hid Joseph in prison. Let me tell you something. Potiphar, listen to this. Potiphar was the chief executioner of Pharaoh. And he was the he was the commander of Pharaoh's bodyguard. Potiphar was a ruthless person. When the issue of Joseph came up, Potiphar wanted to execute Joseph for trying to touch his wife. It was Pharaoh who said, don't just listen to your wife. Send him to prison instead. When Joseph was sent to prison, he was sent there to do what? To hide him. To protect him. God will put you in the church where you can be protected. Ministry are spoiled. Ministry gift can be destroyed. Potential can be wasted. But when God hides you, he protects your potential. When God sends you to a church, where the pastor and the people take interest in you is to protect him. Why does he hide us? To mature us, to help us develop the closest fellowship, and he also hides us to protect us from negative influence. Number four, he also hides us to preserve our simplicity, our uniqueness, our freshness preserve 
Proverbs 2 8. The Lord preserved the way of the saint. He hides us to preserve. Because if he does not hide us, we will mix with the wrong crowd. We will imbibe the wrong ideology. We will be committed to the wrong causes. We will preach the wrong messages. He has to hide you. Number five. Why does he hide us? To prepare. To train us. How many of you know that when football teams are preparing for World Cup, where do they send them? In hiding. Preparation can be best be done in hiding. Training can best be done in hiding. Overseas, when they are preparing for World Cups or Euro football tournament, they send their teams to a place where journalists are not allowed to come in. So that they can focus on training. Go hide. Let me share this to you. God is saying to you, go and hide yourself. Many of us are too much in the open, which we should not be. It's not good for you. It's not good for you. You are getting involved in things that is exposing you before your time. It's like a baby that is born prematurely. You are exposing yourself too much. You are bringing yourself into a place that is not so good for you. God is saying to you tonight, go hide yourself. He said, what you need when you hide yourself is food. Having food and raiment. The remaining thing is fellowship with the master. God wants your attention more than you are giving him. God said this to me this afternoon. He said, some of you are more concerned about your calling than in making sure that your calling and your election is sure. You are so concerned about the organization, the operation, the plan, than with the growth of the gift. And it is the gift that needs to grow. Why does he hide us to train us, to prepare us? Two more things I'll say tonight. Or three more things. Why does he hide us? To await divine timing. That's another reason why he hides us. To await divine timing. Jesus was hidden for the 30 years. Not because he used all the 30 years to train. But after a while he had to wait for the time. That's why when he came on the scene of Israel. In Mark 1.15. Matthew 4.17. He said the time is fulfilled. What Jesus was waiting for after a while, it was no longer that he was training, but he was waiting for the time. Some of you are waiting just for the time. That's all you are waiting for right now. And you know something? You may have to wait for six years. Ah! God will have to teach you patience. There is nothing as terrible as when you know you have it. But God is saying, wait. That is when we know you are ready for ministry. Let patience have a perfect work. That be perfect and entire lacking nothing. A time comes when your body is quaking and you feel like, yes! Kulu, kulu, kulu zili. Kulu, kulu, kulu zili. 
Several years ago, I believed that I, I could preach anywhere in the world. But they are not going anywhere. By 1984, I was a celebrity preacher in this country. 1985, I was already a celebrity. 1986, ah, everywhere they were inviting me. 1986, everywhere. But God said, you are not going anywhere. Kulu, kulu, kulu zile. Kulu, kulu, kulu zile. Kulu, kulu. I felt I was ready. Because it, hmm? That period was more important to me than the period I used in training. Because it helped me to be able to control myself. There is nothing like self-control. God has not given us the spirit of bondage, but the spirit of power, of love, and of a sound. Actually, the Greek says self-control. Self-control. God hide you at times to wait for something to happen. Jesus was hidden for the while for somebody to die. One king like that. He hid Jesus so that the king would die. Immediately the king died, God said, oh, come. So why was he waiting? Why was he hiding? So that the king will die. <laughs> and there are certain kings in your life that needs to die. King pride. King know it all. You know everything. I agree with you, Gary. You know everything. But you're going to wait. You're going to be in hiding. It's not, a, it's not during every hiding that you need to grow. At times you have grown to the point that you need to grow. Or you can grow in hiding. But you need to wait for time. What is another purpose of God for hiding us? To re-educate re us. Joseph needed re-education. Jacob was somebody who believed that you can always steal it to get it. You can always steal it to get it. And so God had to put him in hiding to re-educate him. That the stolen waters are always sweet. But those who practice such things do not know that the end is not the way they think it is. Joseph was put in hiding to be re-educated. What was Joseph's idea? Joseph was somebody who was lazy. He had vision, but lazy. There are some of you here, you are lazy. Lazy. Success in ministry is 80% perspiration and 20% inspiration. He said, be diligent to make your calling and election sure. Proverbs 14, 23, in not labor there is profit, but ordinary talking with mouth leads to poverty. There are some people, they can talk, talk, talk about ministry. I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that. Okay, do it now. And not no roof for you know there are some people where they say can you make uh, vegetables oh yes I just get vegetables I put it in water I put the pepper I put it I put the fire I boil it I make it and I serve it uh -huh. this is the vegetable this is the water this is the pepper oh yeah uh, no I'm not ready today uh. it depends on all what you make of it that's what it depends on. 
what you make of it. What? This 